something that, that that struck me was that I couldn't believe is how do people in Ireland have on uh, on on average. Uh, only a third of the uh, tinnitus patients than in Romania. How does that fit in? Because everyone would say, oh, the Irish, they're drinking and smoking the whole time. How can it be that they have such a low penetration of tinnitus sufferers? Is there anything that you can think of? Hello and welcome, everyone. This is Frida here, and uh, you're listening to the Arching Tinnitus podcast. I'm very glad to welcome you all today to my second episode, and which is, as promised, the interview with the scientist Professor Silvano Gallos from the Mario Negri Institute in Italy. And uh, Professor Gallos is a tinnitus researcher who does epidemiological studies on tinnitus. So he researches the um, extent to which tinnitus exists in the population, but also predicting factors and contributing factors and health risk that... Um, are concurring to tinnitus and today I would like to present you with the interview that I conducted with him last week and I think there are some very very interesting insights in this interview um, but uh, here for yourself so uh, here he is without further ado uh, first we have the intro and then we dive right into it um, the episode with Silvano Gallos on the Archering Tinnitus podcast enjoy Hello and welcome to the Outring Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. This podcast is all about the tinnitus science and what you can do to live a better life despite the ringing. Yeah, hello everyone. This is Frida from the future. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is me from the future apologizing for the uh, bad audio quality. This is the second only podcast episode that I ever recorded. So bear with me in this interview with Professor Silvano Gallos, an epidemiological expert on tinnitus prevalence, risk factors, etc. Um, me from the future, I want to invite you to um, read our book on tinnitus at www.tinnitus-book.com. You can find our book, you can find our community at mytinnitus.club and join us for a free trial or simply go to arteringtinnitus.com to find all other resources that you might want to need in order to live your absolute best life despite tinnitus. And now let's go back to uh, younger Frida and Professor Silvan Gallos on epidemiological factors and tinnitus. Enjoy. Thank you very much for uh, for taking the time for um, our small interview today. Uh, great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I um, would like to welcome uh, you very much um, here to uh, the uh, Tinnitus po Talk podcast. Um, I'm very happy that you're my very first interview guest. Um, and for me, it's very exciting as One of my uh, main goals with this podcast is to educate the people who suffer from tinnitus or also their friends and their family and environment um, in order to create a better perspective for the people who suffer from tinnitus so that they can understand a bit more what it actually means to suffer from tinnitus and what we can do with people from who suffer from tinnitus and what we cannot do. So I'm, um, I'm super happy that you're here today and um, yeah, I would like to uh, let you introduce yourself a bit. I'm Silvano Gallus, I work in Mario Negri Institute where I lead the laboratory, uh, the uh, laboratory uh, of lifestyle epidemiology 
Uh, I work uh, in Mario Negri Institute in, in this field of epidemiology uh, since uh, 1997. Therefore, it's uh, 23 wow. years I'm involved in, in wow. epidemiology. My background is uh, um, computer science, actually. I have a degree in computer science. But then I started working as a biostatistician here in 1997, and I, then I became an epidemiologist. First of all, I would like to define the epidemiology because it is not so clear to every, everybody. And therefore, yes. it is important to understand that the epidemiology is the branch of medicine dealing with the incidence, the frequency, let's say, the distribution and the causes, and also the progress of the diseases. And therefore, the epidemiology of tinnitus deals with the distribution of tinnitus, the frequency of tinnitus in the world, and therefore also the burden of tinnitus, and in particular also the causes of tinnitus. And therefore, our main focus is based on the risk factors associated with tinnitus, the determinants of tinnitus. I'm also an honorary associate professor at the University of Nottingham, where there is a, an important center um, doing a lot of important researches on, on tinnitus. Mm. And uh, this is my introduction, let's say. We'll be back in the episode in just a short moment. I just wanted to share with you something that Dawn, uh, one of our Tinnitus Club members, talked about recently. She shares uh, her insights into tinnitus habituation and what the community has been doing for her. And of course, we'd be super honored to welcome you into our community as well. But let's give uh, Dawn the word. I think um, I've had it for about the same as you, 15, 16 years, and I have habituated to it three times in the past. Uh, but this last time, um, I was just floored with it. I just didn't know how to deal with it. And uh, then I found this place and it's taught me no end. Um, how I was dealing with it was wrong. You know, it's taught me not to react to it. Um, and like you said, it's nice knowing because I think it's a very isolated disease. Um because you're the only one that can hear it, your family can't. So you're you you're only you're the only one that knows what you're going through. Uh, but when you come to somewhere like this, it just it it's it makes it easier because you know that you're not on your own. And it's just probably been the best thing. I'm in the best place now in this last two years than I I have been for like I say in the last two years. I'm I'm just it's amazing what it's done for me. So if you're experiencing something that's similar to what Dawn is going through, then you know absolutely where to go and where to look and where to turn to. Um, we'd be super excited to welcome you in our MyTinnitus.club community. So if you head over to www.MyTinnitus.club, you can sign up for your 14 days free trial, um, join one of our members' events, introduce yourself to our other members. We are currently getting a buddy system going so that people who are already way on their path 
path to habituation can support and help other people who are newer in the community. So if this is something that you want to uh, get into and you want to live your best life despite tinnitus, then sign up for your free trial at www.mytinnitus.club. But let's get back into the episode. Okay. Well, thank you very much. That's uh That's a very, very nice introduction. And I think it's, this is also, um, thank you again for being here so much because I think this is the perfect way to start um, a, a tinnitus podcast. I have the first episode that uh, came out last week, uh, which is basically just about me. And now I have the second episode, which will be you laying basically the groundwork and the ground uh, things and epidemiological uh, aspects of uh, tinnitus. And I think that's a great way to start a podcast. So it's, I'm super happy that this turned out uh, this way. And um, maybe, maybe um, I, I, I want to leave this completely open to you. And um, we said that, um, that uh, 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 we can uh, keep the conversation open a bit, but is there, uh, why did you get into tinnitus? Why did you decide to study tinnitus? Well, uh, it was not by chance, actually. Okay. It, it, the, the, I started dealing with tinnitus in June 2013, when the director of my institute, the former director of my institute, who was also the founder of the Hull Institute, actually 60 years ago, something like that, and therefore he is 92 now, 90, 91 wow. maybe now, but he, he was the director of my institute in 2013, and he asked me um, to help uh, uh, to, to start to, to contact the, direct, the president of uh, the Italian Association on uh, Tinnitus, which is an association of tinnitus patients, in order to help them um, to conduct a study, an epidemiological study, in order to, to describe various cases. And uh, since the beginning, I, well, I contacted uh, Ottorino Savani, Sir Ottorino Savani, who is uh, the, uh, the, the, the president of this association and uh, is also a tinnitus patient. And uh, uh, when, I, when, I, when I studied the, the, the tinnitus, uh, when I uh, started looking at uh, what tinnitus was, because actually I didn't even know exactly what tinnitus was yeah. Yeah. in 2013 exactly. And therefore, I, um, I understood that the tinnitus patients needed something more than just the conduction of a study, but it was important that some, some of us had to deal and to contribute a lot to uh, improve the epidemiology of tinnitus. Yeah. This is, uh, this is uh, the point and therefore uh, I started uh, uh, working on tinnitus and uh, several steps forward have been, have been done since uh, that uh, June in 2013. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you know someone uh, close to yourself who has tinnitus, or do you maybe have tinnitus yourself? I don't have tinnitus, fortunately, and uh, I I didn't know not even before 2013. I didn't know anyone with tinnitus. Oh wow! Uh, 
maybe someone, but then actually after dealing with Tinnitus, uh, a, a number of uh, people came to me to say, yeah. well, I, I suffer of Tinnitus, yeah. I suffer yeah. maybe a mild, a mild uh, not a severe form of Tinnitus, but a number of people close, very close to me, uh, they were... Uh, they were suffering tinnitus, also several colleagues of mine. Mm. And uh, after uh, 2013, I started uh, knowing and meeting a lot of uh, people with uh, also severe forms of tinnitus, and I understand mm. uh, their uh, suffering, and they, they suffer uh, a lot. This yeah. is... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that is something that's very common in tinnitus, right? Like we don't know anything about it unless someone really like either suffers very much or there is like a direct um, a, a connection or something or someone knew that you were studying uh, tinnitus or the, the epidemiological aspects of tinnitus and um, before you didn't know that this person even has tinnitus because people, I don't think, people often don't talk about it, you know, like they, they are very, like they turn to themselves in order to deal with the tinnitus instead of like talking about it because like like hearing is still way more stigmatized than vision for example right when i have a when i have a problem with my vision i just wear glasses or I wear contact lenses sure, like when i have sure. a problem with my ears then it's already stigmatized oh you're an old grandpa you need a hearing aid and 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 things like that yeah mm, that's very yes. very 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 true um, yes well uh, um, yeah. i already knew i already knew what the Tinnitus, more or less, was actually in Italy. Uh, we have uh, two different ways uh, to 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 define tinnitus. Okay. One is tinnito, which comes from the Latin, and one is acufene. Ah. this yeah. is uh, really same in Spanish. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. And um, um, but, however, I didn't know if it was a disease, a symptoms. Uh, uh, I symptom. I didn't. I didn't know this. And uh, but then I understood that tinnitus at the end is a symptom of a, um, a concomitant neurological disorder. And this is this is what I what I understood. Great. Um... Now, I think maybe it would be a good time if you wanted to talk a bit um, about the study results. And um, I, I contacted you, and this is what I forgot to say in the introduction, um, because I was at the um, uh, Tinnitus Symposium at uh, Charité Berlin here in uh, December last year. Um, and that's where I saw your uh, lecture, which I thought was really, really interesting because I loved like a, getting a big picture and there were some really, really nice hard facts about the number of people in Europe suffering from tinnitus. I think you said it's about 70 million or 7 million? 75 million. 75, 75 million. million people. Wow. Yeah. What a number, eh? Wow. In Europe. In Europe. This is yeah. just in Europe. Alone. Yeah. Alone, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. actually, we, we work uh, in... Um, in I mean, when I when I talk about we, it is my uh, laboratory for myself, yeah. my team. Um, we work. Uh, um, we have one line of research on tinnitus. Mm -hmm. Must confess that my main uh, line of research includes. Uh, um, tobacco control, obesity control, and alcohol okay. control. 
but uh, we since 2013 we started this new line of research and now it is a very important line of research of, of ours and we are now coordinating multiple epidemiological studies um, mainly aimed to quantify the association between several different risk factors and tinnitus or quantifying the burden of, uh, of tinnitus in Europe. And for these two main um, topics, we are conducting or we have already conducted several different studies. In particular, we uh, conducted the European tinnitus survey in 12 uh, European countries uh, where we wanted to understand the prevalence and the, for the burden of the disease, the prevalence of uh, this condition using a standardized assessment tool. And we uh, conducted, we already conducted this survey and now we are drafting the manuscripts to be submitted in, in scientific journals, in peer-reviewed journals. Then we are conducting a systematic review of the literature on various risk factors for tinnitus. And uh, we also are conducting a case control study, which is a type of study, in, uh, of epidemiological study. It is an important type uh, of epidemiological study. Uh, on risk factors of tinnitus, we already enrolled uh, uh, approximately 200 cases with the incident tinnitus and 200 controls in Northern Italy. And uh, we, we want, uh, our goal is to obtain 600 cases and 600 controls in order to understand which are the main risk factors for tinnitus in Italy. Right. And we also are analyzing uh, uh, Swedish uh, uh, cohort, uh, cohort data that are mm -hmm. prospective uh, longitudinal mm -hmm. studies and um, in collaboration with the Karolinska Institute also in order to understand which is to quantify the association between several risk factors um, for, for an empty nitus. Are involved in several different in several different projects that are mainly supported by the European Commission. In particular, we are involved in the innovative training network ESIT project, which is a project where a number of researchers are training 15 PhD students that will be who will be the uh, future experts on tinnitus in, in Europe and uh, therefore we are training them on various disciplines of, uh, of, uh, of tinnitus on, on tinnitus we I'm uh, contributing with the epidemiology of tinnitus obviously and I'm helping a, a student to uh, interpret correctly interpret uh, the data from our our studies epidemiological studies right. 
Right. Then right. we are involved also in the GenderNet Tiger project, which is a project uh, we are conducting in collaboration with the Karolinska Institute, with Christopher Celeroth, with Granada University and uh, Antonio Lopez Escamez and uh, with Bergen uh, um, University, Jan Bulla is uh, the, um, the, the, the researcher. Just to, say, just to say in between for the people who are listening, these are quite some big names in uh, tinnitus research, right? Like if you, if you have, yes. so to say, the, the pro league of tinnitus research, that is, so to, so to say, the, the, uh, um, um, like the, the, the premier league of tinnitus research. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. <laughs> they are the big names. Uh, the big of, names, yeah, for sure. Exactly. For sure. For sure. And uh, in this project, in this specific project, we are trying to understand which is the, um, com the, the combined uh, uh, role of uh, genetic and environmental right. risk factors uh, right. with a focus on uh, um, differences by gender and therefore. Uh, Right. We will stratify various uh, various uh, findings uh, by by sex in order to understand if uh, there are differences by by sex. And uh, now we started the new um, project. Uh, there was just a kickoff meeting just uh, um, a couple of weeks ago in Athens. It is the U Unity project where. Uh, there will be where we are uh, conducting an important clinical trial in order to see the effect of a combination of different treatments. These are the main projects where we are involved and, uh, um, and uh, by now we already have uh, some preliminary findings I can, I can okay. Uh, share, let's say, nice. we, we in, in the uh, European survey, we, um, we found that uh, in Europe, overall prevalence of tinnitus is uh, around 15%, ranging from 9% in Ireland to 28% in Bulgaria. And uh, the prevalence of severe tinnitus exceeds 1%, and therefore it is 1.2%. If we generalize this uh, uh, finding, this uh, proportion, this prevalence to the um, adult uh, European population, we right. can talk about 75 million adults wow. that suffer of tinnitus and uh, more than 5 million adults suffering in a severe in a severe form that's a lot of people that is a lot of people and 15 15% is the is seems to be like a like a like a like the rate pretty much i think in the us it says also about 15% of adults and that seems to be like quite a quite the number yes. right this is in broader in this finding was in broad agreement with the current evidence on uh, tinnitus prevalence. Therefore, we, we can confirm other, other, uh, other uh, studies that have been conducted so far. Um, our main uh, 
strength in that in that in that uh, study was uh, the fact that we had uh, a standardized uh, assessment tool that allowed us to right. compare the results in various various uh, uh, countries. And the uh, the other aspects we found in this uh, in this uh, research is that um, tinnitus was similar in men and women and increased with increasing age uh, as it is well as it is well known and that the hearing difficulty is uh, really strongly uh, related uh, with uh, with yeah. So these uh, were the most important findings of uh, of that study yeah. And yeah. Uh, we are also conducting, as I already mentioned, uh, this uh, systematic review of the literature where we, um, we decided to um, try to understand uh, the risk factors already analyzed in the scientific literature. And therefore, we um, conducted this uh, systematic review of the scientific literature in order to understand which is the current evidence on the causes of tinnitus. And we found uh, something like 380 uh, papers uh, published mm. on this issue, which is... Mm good number but uh, the main problem is that uh, um, the uh, large majority of uh, these studies uh, were uh, cross-sectional studies uh, this mm -hmm. is a study design which uh, has uh, several limitations inherent to the study design mm -hmm. these limitations uh, do, do not allow researchers not even to understand if there is a causal association but only they can observe only relationship between mm -hmm. risk factors and mitos. and this is a problem and there are in, in particular two types of designs which are case control studies and core studies that uh, are able to understand if there is a, a causal path and there is a, mm -hmm. they, they are able to analyze the issue properly mm -hmm. but only less than 10 percent of the of the uh, studies published so far are based on these types of yeah. uh, epidemiological studies yeah. and uh, in particular we found only less than 20 studies uh, providing uh, a measure of association like a relative risk from mm -hmm. case control and core studies mm -hmm. before we uh, acknowledge uh, a large uh, evidence gap a, a, a large gap of knowledge and that uh, should be filled uh, uh, very soon, and we are contributing to fill this uh, this knowledge gap with our, with our studies and with our analysis. I think that's very. I mean, as as we we discussed before already, um, if you have uh, 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 to find out that there is a knowledge gap, and to then later on fill it with uh, new questions and and sort of like new sort of research that's coming up was also something that um, I uh, studied at Maastricht University myself uh, in my bachelor's, and we always had a problem based learning. So 
And through the, throughout the course in the university, we would find something that would be a question and we would take it home and then answer it afterwards. So if you basically find out through reviewing these cohorts and these studies that there is much more evidence needed, that's a great first finding, right? And Absolutely. something that, that, that struck me was that I couldn't believe is, that, and, and this I have to ask, I mean, it's a, it might sound a bit like, a, well, a, a stereotypical, but how do people in Ireland have on, uh, on, on average uh, only a, a, a third of the tinnitus patients than in Romania? How, how, do, how does that fit in? Because everyone would say, oh, the Irish, they're drinking and smoking the whole time. How can it be that they have such a low penetration of tinnitus sufferers? Is there anything that you can think of? This is a very good question. We do not have yet the answer. This is, yeah. uh, this is the main problem. Yeah. This is true. We, we have found several differences in terms of, of uh, tinnitus prevalence between countries. And yeah. we yeah. want to understand why there are such differences. Yeah. This is due to the assessment method, but it is not the assessment tool that uh, biases the results. This is not true because, because we, uh, we used a standardized methodology and therefore there should be uh, some uh, determinants of tinnitus that are different in various, in various countries. And we need to understand why also in order not only to prevent tinnitus, but also to provide some hypothesis to be tested for tinnitus patients in order to obtain new hypotheses to solve the, to, to solve the problem of tinnitus in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things that you say that's uh, also one of the biggest links that you could identify is that tinnitus is always causally very much linked with hearing loss, right? So yeah. I guess one of the biggest things that we all, um, the people who already have tinnitus, uh, like me, and the people who do not have tinnitus yet, like you, um, in order not to make it worse for me, in order not to start suffering from tinnitus for you, the best bet that we have is to protect our hearing. Would you agree with that? This is absolutely, absolutely correct, of course. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, and would you, would you also say, or is there a certain hypothesis that uh, tinnitus is increasing throughout um, the last 50 years, let's say, maybe? maybe is there something that you, that you, did you think this could have happened because we live in an overall much more uh, a louder society and our cities are much more filled? And I know when I go to Italy, it's very normal that everyone's honking the whole time. Um, <laughs> and, and here in Germany, the people shout at each other and... You know, like the cities get much louder, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, no, there are some studies showing that uh, tinnitus is increasing, mm. although it is not so easy to to uh, investigate this issue because uh, we find uh, several differences in terms of tinnitus prevalence, also mm. in uh, in the same country at the same uh, at the same. Uh, um, in the same year, uh, just because uh, the assessment tool is different, for example, uh, okay. just because the population is different, and therefore it is very difficult to understand if tinnitus uh, tinnitus is uh, an in in increasing or not. But uh, however, the evidence, the current evidence, uh, suggests that uh, this uh, is an in uh, this is uh, an increasing. Uh, 
symptoms at the end, that it is growing and growing the burden of, the, of this symptom. Uh, well, then there is obviously also the aging of the population, because the population, right. particularly in, in Europe, is growing, and given that tinnitus is more frequent in, in the elderly, it is obvious that uh, um, the burden of this, uh, of this uh, symptom, of this condition, is yeah. uh, increasing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can always... Um, I, I, I used to be a normal uh, a teenager as well, and I'm, I, I was born deaf on one ear already, and I have um, a, a small uh, hearing aid for uh, eight years already on my right ear. And um, I, I, as a teenager, I also used to walk around with a normal Apple earpods in, you know, and when you're in the, in the train or in the subway, you just turn it louder because, I mean, the general volume gets, goes up. So you just need to lift your music a bit more and suddenly you're at uh, 90, 92 decibels, you know, and you do that a few hours a day and that's, but people don't know that, you know, and that's the, that's the thing where, where uh, that's, that's uh, something that I, I also want to contribute with this podcast to, to create awareness around this issue. And that's why I think that's so great to have uh, scientists such as you who are very experienced in the field and who look at the, at the aspects and of what kind of factors could contribute to uh, people developing tinnitus. And um, um, yeah, so uh, uh, I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, is there, is there, um, I guess the, 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 there, there is an, a very interesting link for the uh, uh, European uh, tinnitus research and the European um, uh, tinnitus research project. Um, is there anything in particular that you think is um, very promising in the next um, uh, a few months or years that uh, you, uh, you're very hopeful about in your research? Is there one project that you particularly like maybe or something? Or? No, no. Well, I'm, there are some... Uh, some uh, strengths in the research on tinnitus that should be mentioned. First of all, mm. there are several researchers, very good research, outstanding researchers that are focusing their research on tinnitus. And this is extremely important. And the interest on tinnitus is growing and growing. In particular, I want to mention two centers Uh, the, in Europe, uh, we have uh, the Regensburg Center, yeah. in the, the Regensburg University, with uh, Bertrand Langut uh, and, uh, and Winfried, Winfried Schlee, who, yeah. with, this center is, uh, is, is an outstanding center in, in Europe. And then we have also the University of Nottingham, an important, an important center with David Begley and, and Deborah Hall. And uh, these centers are um, increasing the, the, the chance to, uh, to find at the end uh, a, a treatment, a, a, a solution to to, to, to there are several other centers and the universities and the institutes that are working on tinnitus and uh, in my opinion it is extremely important to talk about tinnitus to yeah. understand which is the burden of tinnitus yeah. 
because yeah. it needs to have been always neglected as a condition, in my opinion, um, because it is uh, the assessment is self-reported. For example, there is not a, a, yeah. a measurement by biomarkers and so on yeah. that yeah. could be used to assess the needs, and this is another a, a, a difficulty also yeah. for the policy maker. Yeah. Um, and uh, however, it is important that the, the interest on tinnitus from uh, um, policy makers also and uh, the, um, um, the, the, the public uh, community also that uh, it, this uh, interest increases. And for this reason, I believe it is in very important what you are doing and I thank you because it is important to, to disseminate also findings uh, from, from uh, the scientific research. Thank you for what you are doing. And my main goal is to let uh, policymakers understand that uh, this uh, um, condition, tinnitus, has a huge burden, in particular in Europe, and therefore they should deal with tinnitus. They should uh, um, also spend the money on tinnitus, spend money for the research on tinnitus, because only from the research we will be, uh, we will obtain uh, evidence-based uh, uh, treatments uh, for tinnitus patients. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. the main limitation. We do not have uh, a single treatment or uh, the treatment to cure yeah. to cure um, tinnitus by now, and uh, we need to work a lot in order to obtain a cure for tinnitus. Yeah. Yeah, and I think everyone who's listening and um, uh, 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 everyone who uh, has tinnitus or who has friends or family around who have tinnitus are extremely grateful that um, uh, people such as you are devoting um, their science and their um, brain power in finding out more about this um, very, very widespread, widespread disease, right? And um, um, I, I think um, it's especially important because most of the time, well, if people have, let's say, at least a medium, a medium intensity tinnitus, they, most of them also start suffering from other conditions, right? Like it's not, not just tinnitus, it's um, after tinnitus comes the, the sleep loss, like people are sleep deprived. Then after that, um, they can't perform at work properly anymore. After that comes the burnout, the family problems, the isolation. And in the worst case, we know um, that uh, hearing loss also tinnitus are linked, but also later on early stages of dementia, right? So this is something, tinnitus is an early warning indicator for us to do something in our society to A, reduce the noise, B, also protect our hearing, and C, find accurate treatment opportunities for the people who are dealing or who have been suffering or who are suffering from this condition. Absolutely, you are completely right. And for this reason, we need to... Uh, to work on tinnitus, the scientific community should uh, stop and uh, start uh, working on, on it. And this is more or less what I understood when in 2013 
um, I've seen for the first time that there was a huge gap of knowledge on the epidemiology of tinnitus, and this is why I decided to stop some other tasks I was uh, uh, conducting and to work specifically on on this uh, on this type of research on on the on tinnitus. Yeah. Actually, I'm I'm not I don't uh, work on treatment. I, I receive something like a, some let's say some calls from tinnitus patients sometimes. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'm so sorry that I can't help them. Uh, yeah, not even uh, uh, promising. Uh, you can uh, you can send them you can send them to my podcast. Maybe they can find some <laughs> consolation in my podcast. And um, I also do um, that is something that I do. I uh, base my practice on uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which I have found is a very good way to reduce the THI score in uh, the patients that I'm working with. Um, I'm not a trained psychologist, but I, I, I mean, I have tinnitus, very severe tinnitus for over 10 years myself. And I, um, I did a course in cognitive behavioral therapy and I tried to alter the people's cognition or their perception of the tinnitus. And most of the time I gained good results. So after like one or two months with working with the people, they already um, perceived their tinnitus much less intrusive. However, of course, it's not, not, not a long lasting uh, tinnitus eradicating treatment, but at least it uh, offers some help. Yeah. No, now uh, I'm involved also in this uh, this project, as I already mentioned, uh, which is the U Unity project, where a clinical trial will be conducted in in, uh, in multiple countries, and I will uh, provide uh, my contribution uh, with the statistical analysis and with uh, also the cost uh, analysis. Uh, this is uh, something uh, of. Uh, that, that could be very important and therefore this is something new and this is what I what what I hope is to, to find a combined treatment that could at least alleviate the tinnitus severity and to improve quality of life of tinnitus patients. Right, right. Um, yeah, well, I think um, you have already offered me um, much more of your time than we had originally planned. Um, <laughs> I'm very, very, very thankful for that. And um, uh, again, super, super excited about this. I will, of course, um, uh, share with you the results of this uh, podcast episode. And maybe, I mean, now is the first one, maybe in a year when I have a lot more other uh, tinnitus episodes and um, you have new results to share, we can uh, catch up again if you, if you have time and um, interest in that. And um, then we could see on um, how my side of uh, the coin is progressing and how uh, you guys are doing. Um, yeah, but are you, uh, will you interview also other experts? Because for for sure you will. Yeah, interview, yeah. yes, um, yes. I am uh, planning a collaboration with the University of Regensburg and uh, Vini Schle. I'm also, and I'm sure you know her, um, Mrs. Rilana Chima from um, the University of Leuven and Maastricht University, and I'm trying to get a, a Skype call or an interview as well with her, but I think she's a very, very busy um, scientist. So if, she, if she's listening to this, uh, 
Mrs. Chima, um, we can still make our interview and I would be super glad to have her on here soon. And yes, in order to, you know, like get all the different sides of uh, the research on tinnitus, um, I would love this series of the podcast also to be about um, the different aspects and, and the different sides of uh, research. So it's great that we could start with the epidemiological aspects, I think to set uh -huh. the picture on what tinnitus is and, and how big it is. I think this has been a very, very, very interesting episode and a very interesting interview already. And I think it's great that we can like set the view not only for the people who suffer from tinnitus, but also for the people who maybe don't know much about tinnitus yet. And I think that this has helped a lot to, you know, to gain a, a, a picture and understanding of how big this actually is. And um, yeah, I would like to thank you very much again. Thank you. And... Uh... Oh, really, thank you for, your, for what you are doing, because I believe it is uh, something important. So congratulations. Thank you very much. It's, um, it's uh, from my heart, and uh, it's something that's affected me a lot in my life. But um, it gives me like sort of an empowerment and a lot of happiness of seeing how open it can also connect people. And that's uh, something that, that makes me very, 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 um, yeah, very, very uh, uh, courageous uh, for the future and it makes me looking forward. And, and it's nice to see people connect over something that's not so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Okay. All right. Thanks very much. Eh? We keep in see you soon. Thank Bye. you. Bye. All right. So this was the interview with Professor Silvano Gallos from the Mario Negri Institute in Milan, Italy. I hope you thought it was interesting and you could learn a bit about the um, epidemiological aspects of tinnitus in the next uh, few coming weeks. I'll have a few other interesting things to share with you on my podcast, such as uh, one of my um, good friends, Jonathan, is going to come on to the podcast and he's going to talk about his experience with uh, tinnitus, as well as some other people that I'll be interviewing in near future. So thanks very much for listening and for being here. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me. And until then, I wish you all the best as usual. Um, if you have further questions, send me an email to freed.argentinitas.com. And otherwise, I would be very happy also to um, offer you a 45 minutes free coaching session. Uh, just head to www.argentinitas.com to book it right there. And I'll be happy to help you out with your tinnitus as well. All right. Thanks and uh, speak to you soon. Ciao. Thank you very much for listening to the Outring Tinnitus podcast. I am looking forward to also welcome you on my website at outringtinnitus.com or if you have any questions, please mail to frida at outringtinnitus.com. See you next time.